Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we get started, are you thinking of creating a podcast or are you a podcast host already? As a podcast strategist, I can help you to launch or relaunch a purposeful and profitable podcast, which will inspire, entertain and educate a global audience. Simply book in a one-to-one call with me right now via the Calendly link in the show notes and together we'll focus on the purpose of your podcast. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Paul Avins. Welcome, Paul, to Focus on Why. Thank you for having me. It's a real privilege to be here. Looking forward to sharing. Oh, what is it you're going to be sharing? That's what we're going to delve into. So let's start with what is it you're doing at the moment? Well, I did right now. Right now, I'm actually, I've got a lot going on at the moment. Not that I don't at any particular time, but yeah, we've just we've just acquired a video production company. Myself and one of my business partners have just done that. We're busy helping uh, 42 different business owners to scale their companies and really solve the two biggest frustrations that most entrepreneurs have, which is they don't have time and they don't have money. So they don't have enough time and they don't have enough money. And so we help entrepreneurs, specifically businesses over half a million or a million plus go through our 12 to 24 month incubators and really solve those two issues so that they can go out and play a much bigger game in the world. Because when you talk to most entrepreneurs, they've got a a vision to do much more in the world. They want to make a bigger impact. They want to make a bigger difference. They want to help more people solve more challenges in the world. And they've got the creativity and the drive to do it. Just most of them are stuck in a business where they've gone from being owner to operator, and they don't know how to get back out of being operator. Whereas, you know, we've been doing this now for 17 years and uh, we know what works. We've worked that journey out. We've seen the roadmap. Um, We know the destination that they want to get to. And ultimately, if you can help them solve the issues of time and money and really open up their creativity, they're able to go out and play a much bigger game, have a much bigger impact on the world and ultimately contribute far more value to the world than if they're stuck in operational day to day uh, challenges. So that's one of the things we're kind of experts at is getting people out of that that quagmire of just being stuck operationally with knowing that they should be playing a bigger name, knowing that they could be playing a bigger game, but not really understanding how to get there. And that the frustrations that tend to come with living the life of knowing that you have a bigger why, as you rightly say, like having a bigger purpose, bigger reason, but you don't know how to get there. And I think that's one of the things we're particularly good at. So what we're doing right now is helping create and buying up companies that solve more of those challenges for entrepreneurs and the things that they're trying to solve. So the reason we brought the video production company was because most of our clients are struggling to create enough content to put out in the content economy. And is it? I sort of talk about this now very differently. There's two types of marketing. Most people just focus on lead generation. And I say there's lead generation and there's lead education. And you actually need to be doing both now because most people you know, want to do research, consume content to get educated before they make a buying decision or give you an email address. So if you're, not, if you're just focused on lead generation and lead education, then you, your marketing is going to struggle. It's a bit like a windscreen wiper. You've got to do both. But for most business owners, that's a very... 
they're not necessarily, it's a hard thing to think about, isn't it? Like, what am I going to do to keep coming up with content every day to post? Whereas what we do now with that company is we're able to just, you know, very quickly go in and spend a day with, um, we take our, our videographer, photographer and shoot a day's worth of content that turns into 90 days worth of social material. So like literally one day a month or one day a quarter, rather you take care of creating all of the content for the next three months. Um, and people really seem to love that idea. Cause it's like, great, I can do a day a, a quarter and then kind of, we take that content and chop it up and turn it into lots of different social posts and blogs and video clips and audiograms and all of the things that get consumed online. Sounds amazing. And I want to pick up on the metaphor you're using about playing a bigger game. Do you see it as a game? Do you see all of this as a game? I do now. I didn't used to. I think I used to take it far too seriously. <laughs> Way too seriously. Like, and I think it's Simon Sinek talks about the infinite game or the finite game. Um, you know, the infinite game, understanding that you're here for a, a period of time, you're going to get to play the game. The game's going to carry on after you're finished. You can't win the game. That That's a a human construct and certainly a Western society construct. Um, Eastern philosophy teaches that, you know, time is a lin is, is, you know, goes around. It's a universal thing. It comes back round. You never miss out on anything. Whereas in the West we've constructed time to be a very linear thing, which is why we, people get very stressed out if they feel they don't make it by a certain period in their life or they're not where they should, should quote unquote be by this point in their life. And that's a very Western construct. And I think it traps a lot of people. And I think it keeps people playing a smaller game because they think they've run out of time. Whereas you realize that actually, if you're playing an infinite game, your job is to just play the game it's it's and play it to the best of your ability and keep improving yourself and keep you know improving your personal bests i often talk to clients about what are your personal bests in business like what's the most money you've ever made in a day or a month or a year and your goal is to you know contribute more of that what's the most you've ever given to charity in a year and give more to charity now you know like you're that's the game the game is with you not with anyone else everyone else is playing their own game and the minute you try and compare yourself to everyone else's game, you, you then it might not even be playing the same game you're trying to play. So it is a game now, but yeah, but that doesn't mean it doesn't come with frustrations and things that annoy you about the game and stuff that you think isn't fair when decisions don't go your way, just like any sport. But yeah, the, the reality is that why do businesses need coaches? Same reason teams need coaches, same reason sports athletes need coaches because if you're going to perform at the highest level for a consistent period of time you're not going to get there on your own you're just not and it's i always talk about the so the, the example i'll use in a seminar on one of our boot camps is i'll use the analogies of i'll ask everybody to put their hands up as high as they possibly can and then um, and everybody will do this and then i'll say okay now stretch another inch or two higher and everybody can stretch another inch or two higher and i'm like so my question is if you if you were asked to go as high as you could first time around how come you didn't go the extra two inches and it's just an interesting question it's like we all we all kind of hold back a bit right we all don't go full out unless somebody else really pushes us to find that extra inch and all the success that you want and you, you desire and deserve in your life is usually in the extra two inches it's not in the first reach it's in the it's in the extra two inches and you can't get there on your own so it's not until you realize that that life starts to take on a very different kind of flavor and perspective and so when was the shift for you? Well, when did it stop being so serious? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, when did it stop being so serious? I, when my ego when my ego died. That was when it happened for me. And I think that's that's a thing that stops a lot of us is that most of us are invested in the ego game. And, and I want to look good. I want to impress people. I want to show off 
a certain things or, you know, it's like when you're playing that game, you're not playing it for yourself. You're playing it for your ego. And and it's a dangerous thing to play for your ego. And it, it certainly happened to me. Um, so what was I 42 years old? I was playing, I was playing to try and win a game where I, the game was to win affection from other people. That was the game I was playing, uh, you know, wanting to be liked by other people and uh, wanting to, and chasing that, desire to be you know on stage and validated and approved by other people and it goes back it goes back years goes back to being adopted and all kinds of stuff like that right but that was the game i was still trying to win and in trying to do that ended up building a business that really wasn't actually designed to scale or be successful it was just designed to get me in front of rooms of people which is, you know, that's not necessarily a good commercial driver, right? But, uh, you know, after five years of doing that, the business, you know, I remember it very vividly, it was on my 42nd birthday and I got two letters, I got three letters in the post. One was a birthday card. The other two were winding up orders from two creditors with seven day notice periods to wind up the company. And I remember standing in the garden holding these letters going, okay, this is going to be an interesting week. And <laughs> this is like, never had that happen before. I never had a, you know, I never had a business be foreclosed on. I'd never had a business fail. Like I'd had failures, but it's not stuff like that. Not when creditors have gone right enough's enough. We're going to pull the plug. And that, and that, you know, that, that was a fairly, that's a fairly challenging thing. If you're living in your ego space to have to deal with. And, you know, that led, that led to a number of critical kind of events and moments that, that really made me change the, the way I was playing the game. So that led to the the critical events, and you were talking earlier about Simon Sinek about how you yeah. the infinite game, which is to have a purpose bigger than yourself, yeah. and and the companies that are thinking super long term, you know, out of their lifestyle lifetime, and and just and way beyond. Has that always been the case for the businesses that you're working in? Is this a new construct, or is this something that has just been brought to the forefront? I think, I think it's a good question. I mean, I think there are different, some businesses are designed to go on and be multi-generational. Some family businesses are designed to do that. I do a lot of work with family businesses. I tend to specialize a lot in family businesses, especially in, in family businesses that are going through transition. So they go from one generation, the next generation's coming up and there's, there's everything that goes with it. The, the kind of the friend, the, the tensions and the, the fam, what I call the family frictions between one generation one, wanting to hand over, but not wanting to hand over and everything that goes with that. But some businesses are not built for that. They're just not designed for it, especially the speed at which markets move today. It's like, yes, we want to have a vision that's, you know, multi-generational potentially or, or outside our own lifetime. But some, we have to also accept that some businesses that we start and build may only have a 10 year life of them. That just may, because of technology, they may never, they may never go 50 or hundred years. Right. So the same way of saying, um, steam, steamboats were never designed. They were never going to go, you know, as for the rest of, you know, for two, three, four, 500 years, because other technologies were going to replace them in the minute the airplanes came out, they were going to be dead. And so, so you just, if you're in an industry that's going to be constantly innovative, it's very, unless you're going to keep breaking your own business model, it's very hard to stay ahead, but it can be done. Um, but for most, most people playing the game, they're trying, they're trying to play the game to solve one, the, the financial problem so they can then go off and do the things they really want to do in their life is my experience. Most people want to solve the money problem and the time problem, and then they'll go and do things that they're really passionate about, but they can't do those without resources. And that's all time and money is. It's a re they're both resources. Mm. And it's interesting. I'm just trying to remember a couple of 
examples from from the cynic book about i think it was the apple and the the microsoft mm. battle wasn't it and yeah. it, one of the illustrations there but it was also about the army and about the trust involved and i think there was a, an example of where you want to be in terms of of sitting and and supporting your fellow members of the army you want to have that complete and utter trust and faith that other people are going to be right there for you so in terms of that's in his book um uh why did leaders eat last oh okay so he's talking about internal trust and external trust and and the point and we do this in our team training and one of the businesses i own that helps people do team training and team up because if you're going to build anything and you're going to play the game you're going to need to play it with other people right this is one of the biggest myths that i absolutely fight against where every time i get the opportunity is this idea of a self-made man or self-made woman it's just not true right nobody succeeds on their own nobody does it on their own everybody does it with help and the smart people do it with really good teams around them and that's the difference and yet very few people strategically go out and learn how to build teams and very, you know, yes, in sport, you will, and you will in the military because your lives depend on getting that right. But in business, we still don't have a culture of going out and saying, if I want to dominate my market, if I want to be really successful in this industry, I'm going to need to build a world-class team. That's what's going to get it done. People don't think that way. A very few do, right? Once people get it, they suddenly go, this is the thing that unlocks you know, unlocks every single opportunity that I want to have um, and every piece of creativity because every challenge you face becomes a who problem, not a how problem, not how do we solve it. It's who knows who to fix it, right? The minute you ask that question, it's a game changer, changes absolutely everything. And that's one of the things I learned from Dan Sullivan. It's like when you when you ask who, not how, changes everything, yeah? So it's like not how do we set an automated reminder system for something? It's who can I hire to take that and build it and do it and sort it? It's a who, not how question. But most of us have, have been brought up to think how, not who. And because we've not been trained on how to build teams and we've not been had to create this culture of trust, as Simon Sinek talks about, with circle of trust, where circle of trust is about the fact that if an organization doesn't have it, it means that people are more focused inwardly on the organization than outwardly because they're worried about being attacked by somebody else internally. The minute you have this circle of trust where everyone really understands and I would suggest tolerates each other because everyone's different and everyone understands why each other's different. So there's a level of transparency. Uh, transparency leads to trust. When Teams can be really transparent about why they struggle with stuff or things they're not good about. And they can be really transparent without fear of being persecuted for it or kicked out of the, the tribe for it. Then the team reaches a level of trust where, where they don't focus internally anymore. They focus externally because they know internally they've got each other's backs. That's when you get to that point. Now, now you can go change the world. Now you can go do incredible stuff because your energy is all externally generated, not internally generated in terms of self-preservation. You would never have a special forces unit that's worried about somebody else in the group stabbing them in the back and killing them, right? That would just never happen. And yet in business, we don't sit down intentionally and try and cultivate that. We train people to do it, but most people don't intentionally set out. They just hope somehow miraculously that if I take people you know, out for a paintballing or I take them, you know, 10 pin bowling and out for a pizza that somehow miraculously a team event is going to occur and everyone's going to be super bonded and connected. No, it needs a lot more force, foresight than that. And it needs a lot more strategy than that. And it needs the right tools and the right approaches um, and the investment in that stuff. But relatively speaking, the investment is small compared to the payoff that you get. Yeah, for sure. And and it is that trust versus performance and having both of those quadrants ticked in, in terms there. So in, in 
what I wanted to go back into, and I know that you, you touched on there, that you had this moment where you've got your, your three letters, your birthday card and your two letters from the creditors. Yep. And, and then thinking about the how, the who, the why, the, the what, the, the where, the what if, what was going through your mind at that moment? Uh, I think at that moment, just there's just an element, I mean, from, you know, I think for me at the moment, that particular moment was a, was more of a, yeah, I was still in the ego space. So I was very worried about the brand damage. I was worried about how I was going to stand in front of clients who were paying me to help them build successful businesses and then deal with the fact that I had one that was failing. There was, there was that, all of that imposter syndrome stuff kicking off. Um, and the result, the result of, you know, I mean, the short version of the story is that, you know, the, the reality was the next three months were pretty much hell um, on a number of different levels. And, and there's, there's a piece here that I just like to share, which I think is if you've never experienced it, you don't understand this, but what, when you go in, when a company goes into administration, you are legally not allowed to say anything. And I've never experienced this before. And I, so you are, you are advised by lawyers. You are not allowed to disclose anything that's going on. You're not allowed to talk about anything that might be going on in the background because you could potentially damage the sale value of the assets of the business, right? So you have a fiduciary responsibility to the liquidator to make sure that those assets get the maximum amount of money. Therefore, you can't say anything. However, what happens is people who've never experienced this and are on the other side of it think you are being deceitful, think you are being nasty, think you are withholding information, think you won't talk to them. We had all kinds of horrific stuff done uh, online to us at the, during the time. And people thought I was, you know, I was trying to play games or I was, you know, and legally I actually could not say anything. I risked being struck off as a director if I actually went out and said anything that could potentially damage the value of the assets that were being put up for sale. And that's just really, and I share that because not because I'm looking for sympathy or anything like that, but just because if you've never experienced it or it's something happens to you, it's like the person may actually want to tell, I wanted to tell everybody exactly what was going on, like what happened. I wanted to be transparent about it. And I was absolutely advised not to be because of the legal risks. And then you go through that experience and, you know, you, you go through everything that caused that. And, you know, we lost a huge amount of money personally, uh, you know, in this, in, in this, we wasn't, you know, so did other people. And I, and I have apologized publicly for that one a number of times because I took money from investors. And if it fails, I took it really personally and still, still feel that today. But the reality was we all understood what we were buying into and it just didn't work out. Some doesn't, right? Some things don't work out and it wasn't malicious. It wasn't intentional. It just, some stuff doesn't work out. But the result of that was that I became very stressed. I mean, horrendously stressed. I mean, I was drinking two, three cans of um, energy drinks a day, we were in the, you know, we were very much in a fight for our survival. Of, and when you're in survival mode, you don't necessarily do the smart things like look after your health and look after those kind of things. So all of that got impacted. And, you know, and I, I suffered with asthma, particularly at the time that got worse. I remember walking from the car park upstairs, up flight stairs to the car um, the week before and, and just struggling for breath at the top of the stairs. And that was a warning sign. I didn't do anything about it. Didn't go see anybody. Didn't, I was just, I was just in that mindset of, well, I just have to survive. And the challenge is you do that to your body long enough and your, your adrenaline fatigue kicks in and, and, you know, and the Sunday, that bank holiday, August bank holiday Sunday, you know, I, when I suffered a, a very serious asthma attack, I knew I was, I was in trouble. And, you know, I knew I, I, I was fairly sure when that happened uh, that I was going to die. I, I mean, like, and whatever anybody tells you about uh, if you think you're going to die, you, you really, you come, I didn't become calm and peaceful in that moment. I became a absolute 
screaming like I was I was screaming like I thought life was over because I absolutely believed I was going to die I couldn't breathe I mean you know I have a massive empathy for anybody who gets any kind of chest infection and can't breathe I've been there literally could not breathe and had a panic attack that you know I that was it as far as I was concerned this was how it ends I am suffering from an asthma attack on the bathroom floor and this is this is where my life ends and in, in those moments you know and, and my son was present and he was nine my wife was present. She was on the phone to the, you know, the ambulance, begging an ambulance to be diverted, all of that stuff. And you just, you just, I just had to accept it was over. It was done. That was it. There was a moment where I just went, I said, I'm done. And, you know, and then I collapsed on the floor and, uh, and I went a number of different colors. I went from, from very pale um, blue to white to purple, which is where you're really at the end of the oxygen um, starvation zone. Um, I laughingly say that at least if I was going out, I was going out on brand because, you know, if I like purple, at least I was going to die on brand. So that was a good thing. I was going out at least on brand, but the truth of it was I was four and a half minutes without oxygen and very lucky that a paramedic got to me when he did and was able to, um, get me back. But that, those four and a half minutes changed my life forever because my ego died during that four and a half minutes. And I came back with a, a real passion and a hunger to serve on a very different level for a very different purpose to make a difference to others so that people running businesses didn't have to put themselves through the same, into the same kind of position I'd got myself into. And I talk about the shift from we to, to me, from me to we, right? I'd been thinking it was all about me, 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 me. What can I get? What can I buy? What can I, me, me, me. And, and the whole of my brain switched to be right. What can we do? What can we contribute? How can we help? How can we build teams? How can we help other people avoid what I've just put myself through? Because if this doesn't become a cautionary tale, then we're not doing our job right. And, and that, that was the moment that the, the ego died. And I, and I look back on it and I go, I'm incredibly grateful for that moment, actually, hugely grateful because had it not happened when my, the following year, when my wife got sick and, you know, ended up in a coma and, and everything that went with that, that there's no way in the world I would have been able to handle that had I still been the same person before before my heart reboot, as I lovingly refer to it. I wasn't I wasn't coming from that energy. I was coming from a very take energy. Not 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 that meant not the meant that I was taking and other people were losing, but I was about get rather than give. And I'd always been about giving in terms of giving value, delivering, over delivering, you know, all of those things. But there was still a part of that energy that was not grounded in. Uh, authenticity there was a part that was definitely grounded in trying to be what i thought everyone else needed me to be in order to to be that to get that acceptance or appreciation or love call it whatever you like wow so two near-death experiences in 12 months in our family yeah and that's serious trauma yeah my son lovingly refers to the fact that if he went for therapy and after two therapy sessions, he stopped going because he, the, the therapist literally couldn't handle what he kept telling her had happened. And she was like, this can't have happened to you. You're like 13. And he's like, no, this has been my life. <laughs> and, and yeah, we we've learned as a family to laugh about this stuff because if you didn't, you'd go nuts, frankly. Um, but I'm, it's not lost on me how, how incredibly thin the line is between, you know, I could have died. Sue could have had a, been in a coma, been left with a brain injury. Jonathan would have ended up in care and his life would have been massively different. And it's, and I think what it gave me was this appreciation that life is full of very, very thin margins. 
And some of it's some of it's self-created. Mine was. Sue's wasn't. Sue's had nothing to do with her. Sue's was just an unlucky infection that got into the blood, went into the brain. It was just an, it was one of those things. Mine absolutely was not looking after my body, looking after my my health, not paying attention, not understanding how to cope with things that were pressure for me at that time. Um, so yeah, a lot of that was self-created. And but do you know what? We're all going to have this stuff happen to us, right? We're all going to get knocks. Things are going to things are going to knock you over, knock you down. It's not about when you get knocked down. It's about how you get up. But it's also about who you choose to become from the experience. Do you choose? As one of my clients said, says often, he says, you know, choose. I choose to be better. I don't choose to be bitter. You know, and, and that's hard. It's genuinely hard when your life gets changed. Like my wife, you know, we'd been in business together for years. We'd worked together for years. We'd been together for years. Then she's got a brain injury and she's lost her job. She's lost her identity. She's lost, you know, her business partner. I've lost my business partner. You know, suddenly we have to figure out who we are again. And we have to figure out whether we're going to be able to love each other again, because we're not the same people. And that's not easy. And you've got to have the stomach for some of that stuff to go. I'm going to do the hard work, even when it isn't easy, because Otherwise, you're never going to get any chance to see the vision that you might create down the road. And I'm a great believer life happens for you, not to you. There's a lesson in there. You just It's a question whether you're going to be brave enough to grab it. It's a question of whether you're going to be strong enough to do the work that comes with it because there's a huge amount of work. I mean, yeah, I, I realized just how much work I needed to do on me at that particular point to have any kind of chance of creating the kind of impact I wanted to have on the world. You know, I used to think I was ready for it. No, not even close. The universe needs to go. You are nowhere near ready for the kind of impact you think you want to have. You couldn't even stand in that kind of spotlight for 10 minutes based on who you are at the minute. And this was, this was the biggest wake up call I was ever going to get for that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hearing a huge amount of acceptance of bravery, of strength and what you were looking for. You, you said that you were looking to win affection that you you wanted to be loved. You had the desire to be on a stage and be validated. And you referenced that that was because of your upbringing, because of being adopted. Certainly had a part. It wasn't the only thing, but it had a big part to play with it. Yeah. So not bitter, but better. Not now. But, not yeah. now. Now I'm not. <laughs> you know, I would say if you'd have met me when I was in my twenties, you'd have said I was a very angry person. I was an incredibly angry young man. I was very angry at the world. Life was incredibly unfair to me at that point. I felt very victimized by it. Um, you know, I'm very great. I, you know, I'm genuinely really lucky. A personal development found me when I was 20. And it's and I started on that journey of reading books and listening to tapes and then going to seminars and, and starting to figure out. Oh, I, the truth is, to be honest with you, I mean, the reason I started was because I was trying to answer one question, which is what's wrong with me? That was the question I was trying to answer. I was like, what is wrong with me? Why at that particular moment, my paradigm was, it's not anymore, but it was then, was why would my mother have given me up for adoption? Like she had other kids that she kept and she didn't keep me. So what's wrong with me? Like, and that was the question, you know, Tony Robbins talks about, we're all trying to answer one question in our life. And that was the question I was trying to answer. And that drew, but that question took me into personal development and took me into trying to answer questions about, myself and then about business and then about why do some people fail and why do some people succeed and why why is one business in one market making a fortune when another in the same market is struggling what is the difference that makes the difference and but all of that was started by me trying to answer that question of like what's wrong with me 
right? That that was that was what drove me in my twenties, and that that made me a very hostile, very very angry person at that point in my life, you know, um, and very desperate for that kind of the what I call the adrenaline highs of winning. You know, I, I remember. I think I've told this story for a long time, but I remember I remember chasing for a year to win an award. I was in a, a franchise and organization and I worked more absolutely t- like my guts out to win this award. And I remember turning up to win the award at the, the con- conference. And um, I wasn't, you know, I didn't know I'd won it, but I was pretty sure I'd won it because I just, I just, I knew how hard I'd worked. I'd seen the numbers that had been posted. I was fairly sure I'd won it. And, and Sue was sitting next to me and going, you're not happy. And I'm like, well, I'll be happy when I got the award. And I remember going up, picking the award up, getting the photographs done, shaking the hands, doing all that. And I think it probably took about as long as it took me back to get back down to the seat where I was sat on the table before I felt this incredible, overwhelming feeling of, Oh God, I've got to go do it again. Like it because, because there was just this incessant need for approval and significance and therefore, you know, the way to get it was to win awards, but the way to win awards was to just sacrifice an insane amount of things on the journey. And for what? Like literally the, the high lasted 90 seconds. <laughs> it's like, it's just, this is not a sensible, sustainable model you're running right now. But I couldn't see it. I was, at that point, I couldn't see it. I was, I was full on bought into the ego of, of, hey, look at me, I've got another award, aren't I cool? Not actually what are you trying to do with your life why are you here Paul what is your purpose what are you actually trying to leave as a legacy when you go because right now your legacy is going to be a cabinet full of glass awards and a family that hasn't seen you for the last five years it was like it was that kind of stuff and what's the question you're asking yourself now Paul how can how can I help more people have have time and money freedom so they can play a bigger game that's genuinely a question that's driving me every day it's like right how can I how can I create products, brands, services, teams that help more people free up their time and money, solve those two issues so they can play bigger games. Because I believe right now more than ever before that we need entrepreneurial thinking, whether that's inside an organization as as an entrepreneur, you can be entrepreneurial inside an organization, right? But we need creative thinking. We need people to break outside the norm. We need people who are going to challenge the status quo because we're not going to save the planet unless we start listening to people who have got out of the box solutions in a way, you know, able to do things that people think are impossible right now uh, or can't be done. And that's going to be people with that kind of mindset. And if those people are obsessed with just how do I pay the mortgages this month and how do I, you know, those kind of things, they're not going to solve those bigger issues. So if if my gift is my ability to be able to help people, you know, build something that creates space for them to play a bigger game, I think that's the best way I can serve right now. Brilliant. And you see that as your gift? I do. Yeah. I see my my job's to be a guide, actually, not the hero. I would say that's, that's been a big paradigm shift for me. My, 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 before I got ill, my job was, I, I believe my job was to be the hero, was to be the guy at the front of the room. Hey, I'm a hero. Do what I tell you. Aren't I a hero? I, that's not my job. My job is to be a guide, which means I'm, 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 my job is to go out and source the best material out there, where, you know, learn from people, come back, distill it, teach it to people in a way that they can apply it and use it and go away and actually make a difference in their lives. That's a guide. I'm, I'm a guide on that journey. I'm not running their companies. A lot of the people I work with are super successful already when they come to me. They just, they've got stuck. They've hit a barrier. And, and the thing I've learned is that a winning strategy that gets you to one level, it becomes a losing strategy when you're trying to go to the next level, right? So, and it's confusing. If you've never done, so for example, I had a call this morning with a client 
and he's he couldn't understand why a 2.5 million pound turnover business is less successful than a 1.5 million pound turnover business and i'm like because you're trying to run it the same way with the same strategies that worked at 1.5 and it doesn't work at 2.5 it's a completely different strategy and it's a totally different thing and if you don't know that then you just get really frustrated and really bent out of shape because you think you're the problem rather than understanding that actually you just don't know that you're supposed to turn left now, not keep turning right. That actually the way you get to the destination is turn left now <laughs> and pick up a bunch of people that you hadn't picked up before on the journey and keep going left and keep going left until you hit the next big intersection, which is 3 million. And then you turn right. It's like, but unless someone shows you the map, unless somebody says that's who you need on the bus, unless somebody's there to guide you with that stuff, then you just get frustrated and you, 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 you break literally physically, emotionally, financially break down. And my job, I think is to be that guide. Now is to be that guide is to go, look, I'm going to point you in the direction of great resources. Like whether it's, you know, Simon Sinek, your podcast is like, look, I don't have all the answers, but I do have a lot of the signposts <laughs> at this point in my career after 17 years of doing it. I've been around enough roads that I've spotted which ones are dead ends, which ones are going to get you the right direction and where the potholes are. It's like my job is to guide you around all of that stuff because the destination is your destination. I just happen to know the roads a bit better than you do. Yeah, and having come to having come to terms with your mortality, you know, that's probably one of the biggest things that people are so fearful of. And yet when you face it, you realize actually, you know, what what else are we here for? Yeah, I suppose I used to have this. I used to have a big fear of death. To be fair, I used to be absolutely terrified of it when I was growing up as a kid, and I still have the odd panic attack even now. But it, it kind of used to make me laugh because when we were going through the creditor stuff, people would ring up and threaten me over the phone, and and, and I would honestly just laugh. I'd, I'd like to, I didn't wouldn't I wouldn't I'm also trying to be rude, but I would just I'd chuckle to myself, and they'd be like, "What's funny about this?" And I was like, "Listen, I've just stared down death and a four and a half minute cardiac arrest." Like this is what you're telling me you're going to do in the big picture. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not, that's terrifying, right? Like, like those four and a half minutes were the scariest of my life. I'm not saying this isn't serious. I'm not saying I don't take it seriously. I'm not saying I won't work to fix it, but I'm just saying, can we dial it down a couple of notches? Because it's, it's not life or death here, right? Like, no, I've been where that is and it's not that. And like, let's just, if everybody, I think we could all learn to breathe a little bit more and take like, you know, control the controllables, as I often say, but also go, look, what's like, how serious is this? Is this death line risk? Is this likely to kill us if it doesn't go right? Or is it just likely to be inconvenient? Is it likely to be really, you know, going to set us back a year or two? Okay, fine. It might. Stuff has. The last few years have set lots of people back. I get that. But like, like the reality is, if you, it's the story you choose to tell yourself about the event that happens. All right. I, I could have gone into a very big pity party with this whole thing of like, where was me? This happened to me. Isn't it terrible? Actually, I, I decided that I was going to use it as a catalyst. I was going to turn it into fuel. You know, there's like, there's a great quote that says, you know, turn, turn the, turn the fire into desire, turn the desire into fire. And you know, I get the, get the desire to set light to the, to, to burn you, to put, put you on fire. So you go out and change it. And it's like, I don't ever want to be in a position where, I'm looking at the end of my life and I go, I really screwed that one up. Like, and that's how I felt. I like literally remember thinking, I have made a real mess of this one. <laughs> like, how did it end up with me on the bathroom floor, you know, crying like a little girl at 42 years old going, what a mess of I made? Like, just, you know, like, how would I let it got to that? Right. Like, like, 
I'd like to get to the, you know, the next time around when it's ending, I want to be sitting somewhere great in the sunshine, enjoy having enjoyed my life. Go second time around, I did a pretty good job. I helped a lot of people. I made a big difference. You know, I taught a lot of people things. I had some great experiences. I met some amazing people. Do you know what? I I did all right with this version of me. And I think that's that's what we should be aiming for, right? Like the, the I remember listening to a podcast years ago and I remember where I was on the motorway when I heard it. And someone said that their definition of the worst thing that could happen is that you die, go up, go upstairs and you meet the version of you that you could have been if you didn't run from fear, if you didn't hide from opportunity, if you didn't, if you didn't avoid risks and you'd embrace the challenges and the changes in your life and, and somebody introduces you to the version of you, you could have become. And I just remember thinking that I don't ever want that ever. Like, I don't like whether it's true or not. The thought of that was then enough for me to go. I, I have to be the version of me that looks in the mirror and go, I'm actually really proud with how I've lived this part of my life. You know, whatever happens next, I'm proud with the last week I lived. I'm proud with the people I spoke to today. I'm, you know, and it's not always about some of the best days I had in the last two or three weeks have been absolutely nothing to do with days that have made any kind of money or profit at all. They've just been great days with awesome people and great conversations and, you know, brainstorming ideas or creating videos that just made people smile or whatever. And it's, it's like, yeah, that's, that you don't want to be at that part of your life where you look back and go, Oh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Just don't just, I've been to that place and it, it's really not a pleasant experience when you think it's all over and you're out of time and you realize how precious, how precious it really, really is. And it's easy to forget as well, by the way, I'll say that it's really easy to forget the further away you get from an event like that, that now that we have a daily reminder with Sue and her brain injury every day. And we say every day, we, we just are incredibly blessed and grateful to just be here. Like forget what's going on. Like, like, yeah, there'll be ups, there'll be downs. There's been some real challenges in the last 12 months, some really challenging things that have happened, right? But we're still here. Everybody's breathing. We get to play tomorrow. We get to get up and try another day. We get to grow tomorrow. We get to get up and try to play the game tomorrow and keep going. And it's not a finite game. We're not trying to win it and go, yeah, we're done. It, we're just trying to keep playing it better than we played it last year. I think if you come back to that mindset, which is very much that, you know, infinity mindset of it never really ends. You're, you'll end, but the game doesn't end, you know, but so just play it, just play it and keep playing it. Yeah. And as you say, breathe a little more and have more fun. Well, actually, do you know what, if I, I had a, I'll give you a really good example, right. Of, of just a, a kind of a proud moment in my personal development in the last couple of weeks, we had, um, so we had an event happening and it was coming up and everything. And it, you know, we, this quarter, you know, this time for us is madly busy anyway. Right. I mean, we're busy anyway, but we, we've now got four companies that we're currently scaling. So I've got four businesses that are all growing at the same time. One is scaling. One is challenging scaling four at the same time is really crazy. Unless you've got a really, really good team around you. And I have, but even so we had this two day event and it was just, and there was just an insane amount of stuff in my calendar. Like, and I still needed to prep for the two day event, which usually takes me at least two days or whatever. And I, I think old me a few years back on the Monday would have started to, to worry and get stressed. And I, this time I just started to laugh 
I said, I said, well, I said, it's genuinely hilarious. Like you would have to look at this calendar of mine and look at it and go, this is totally and utterly insane, right? Like nobody on their right mind would do this in a week. You're insane. What are you trying to do? You're a lunatic. And I said, yeah, but what if I pulled it off? What if I do get the story by the end of the week that it's a really successful event? It's the best ever. What if we live in that intensity? What if we live from that vision, from that end game? If we, you know, if, what if we live from the moment that, that it's it's Friday night, it's 4.30, the event's finishing, everybody's all super happy, they think it's the best thing ever, you know, we yeah, everyone's high-fiving, we, it's been an incredible event, and we're we're sitting there going, that was the best event we did. What if we live it, what if we live the week from that energy, so we live it backwards, as though we're already there, what would the energy be like at that, and then we live with that every day, and live it backwards, and I just started to laugh on the Monday, just that this is just an insane thing this week, but I'm just going to laugh. I'm going to choose to laugh through all the calls. You know, I'm going to choose to have a smile on my face. And, and, and I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is, is no matter what's going on in your life, you have control of choice. You can choose to make it a painful week or a pressured week or a difficult week, or you can choose to make it a challenging week. And if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you, right? But it, you can choose to go, I'm going to enjoy this week. And all the things that are crazy about it and all the madness I've got to do and all the things I've got to decide on and, and all that stuff. And then in the middle of all that laughing, because I know it's better, but I know, hang on a minute. If I just move that and that on Tuesday, I can free up five hours of my diary. Yeah, those meetings, I'd, yeah, I'd love to do them, but actually they're not mission critical to the next two weeks of my life. So let's move them and move them back a month. And it won't be the end of the world. And they'll be fine about it if we chat to them and tell them honestly why we're moving the meetings, which we did. And I suddenly got about five hours in the middle of the day and I was like, huh, this is all the space I actually need to be able to, to do what I needed to do for the event. And then we did, we rocked up, we delivered the event. The event, you know, the boot camp was the most successful boot camp we've ever run the people were hugging at the end of it like you know it had been a which is everything we intended by the way we intended it to be an emotional event and an emotional roller coaster and to take people on a journey because that's what people love is to go on a journey and create the same impact that you get from a big personal development seminar but in a business seminar right that's just what i'm trying to do now is bring the best things from theater and and big productions into smaller intimate events where we teach people really powerful business strategies but, and tactics and tools and, and formulas, but we do it in a way that is emotionally, it's emotionally just, it's, it's a roller coaster. You know, it's like going to a movie. And, and I thought, I'm like, if, what if we could do that? What if we could make going to a two day event feel like you went to an incredible three hour movie? What if we managed to do that? And, and that was the question I asked, what if we managed to do that? And then by the end of the Friday, we're having that experience with people high-fiving us and people thanking us for everything. And, and you know, in this crazy world we live in, like the level of, of rapport and trust that everybody had with each other, everyone was blown away by it. And I just thought, isn't that interesting? If I had started the week in a stressed, overwhelmed state, if I'd used the, the expression of, oh, I'm so overwhelmed, you know, which puts you in that constrictive headspace, I wouldn't have found the five hours. I wouldn't have seen, had the clarity moment I wouldn't have lived from the future backwards. I wouldn't have lived from the Friday end tension and then lived the week as though we already knew it was going to be a great success. So why stress about it? I, and I was just very proud. Honestly, I was like, my team were really like, wow, you're a really different person because even two or three years ago, that would have, that would have completely stressed you out probably even 18 months ago. And I was like, yeah, I just, as long as I know the end game's great, I just, I'm going to enjoy the ride. And I think th the minute that feels like it's, um, who you, who you want to be in the moment, like be it now, don't wait for something else to allow you to have it. I think so many times we're waiting for, 
things to happen to give us permission to feel good about where we're at. Oh, I've got to have this jacket or I've got to have this car. I've got to live in this house. When I have this, when I have that, I'll feel successful. Whereas actually it's completely the opposite. It's when you feel successful, that stuff shows up. When you feel you know, grateful, that stuff shows up. When you feel abundant, the abundance. And it's a frequency thing, right? It's like the things you want are already existing in the world because somebody else already has it. So therefore it already exists in the world. Point one. Point two, there's a gap between your frequency and the frequency of the thing you want is on. Now, rather than trying to rather than trying to drag that into your world, which is what so many of us have done for years, me included, what if you just changed your frequency? What if you just moved your frequency up to the point at which you match the frequency of the thing you wanted, business, client, job, whatever, car, house, right? And then when you match the frequency of it, guess what? The speed of manifestation is incredibly fast. Like it, it can show up in hours the minute you raise your vibrations. So actually our single biggest job is to keep raising our vibration to the vibration of the things that we want to be around or experience. Not to go chase stuff, that's exhausting, right? The universe isn't designed to be exhausting. The universe is designed to be in a state of flow. That's this natural state. So rather than us try and force things, what about if we tried found the flow, found the easy, the effortless way to do it? Nature likes things to be effortless, right? What if we tried to find the flow? rather than try and go and think we can, oh, I can I can create flow out of nothing. Can you? Wouldn't it just be easy to find it and expand it? Wouldn't it be easy just to find where the flow is naturally going to go and go with it, you know, rather than constantly be thinking we've got to create everything from scratch and force it through and break it down. And well, what if you didn't? What if it was, what if that week could be a lot of fun getting ready for that event? What if that week could be an absolute blast and you'd go into it having the best event of your, what if, you know, what if, what that, what if, what if you brought that energy to the, to the event, what would that do to the event? What would that raise frequency wise? And I think the minute you start thinking about it from an energy standpoint and a vibrational standpoint, it's a totally different kind of conversation. You know, it's a totally different because you can, we all control our own vibrational frequencies by what we think, what we eat, what we think, what we, what we drink, what we eat, what we focus on, what we read, the people we hang around, and all of that's controllable by us. We control all of that. And it's not until you really realize that and then, and then go, oh, wait a second. The game I'm playing, I'm completely in charge of. Nobody else is in charge of me. I'm in charge of it, right? Yeah, the other stuff goes around me, right? But I'm in charge of it. I'm, I'm, in, charge of, I'm in charge of it, right? What I focus on, where I put my attention, what I read, what I consume, who I listen to, who I don't listen to. I'm in charge of all of that. I completely control this computer and how it functions. I think the minute you start to, to get that's the game we're playing, I think you start to see possibility everywhere. Yeah, love it. And you talk about different movies that you're playing. I mean, you 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 live from the future backwards. I mean, you essentially you talk about Back to the Future and you talk yeah. about the end game. You talk about what if. There's loads of different titles of movies here. But what I, what I really wanted to sort of just sort of round up on is is absolutely you, you seem to have found the flow. And if you did end up and you meet the person who could have been a different version of you, I think you'll be in for a good conversation now. <laughs> yeah i think i think well i've got i've got a deal that i get a second time around to see how much i can do and it's so it's a compare and contrast exercise now almost it's like well let's you tried it that way for 42 years didn't go so well so how about you try for a different 42 years and see how that goes and if it's going quite well you can get an extension i'm like fair enough i'll take that deal you know it's like, <laughs> it's like okay i'll take yeah. that deal 
but it's like well yeah i, I just i think like, we're i think we're all we're all constantly battling this there's an internal part of our brain that i always say new level new devil and then and every time you we you know i'm I've, a lady speaking at an event i'm running this week talking about imposter syndrome and she's saying look it's a it's a biological thing it's nothing to do with you know or you don't like yourself this there is neuroscience now about how the brain actually deals with things when you don't feel in control or you don't feel that you deserve to be there there's a chemical imbalance stuff that goes on and and i feel like just just as a as a project, if we realize that you you limited is the most important thing you'll ever run. <laughs> so it's like, you know, if if somebody gave you a real Zig Ziglar, one of the great speakers, used to say, if somebody gave you a really valuable racehorse that could make you a million pounds in 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 winnings, you would take great care of that racehorse. You would be very careful how it was fed, you would get it exercised, you would get it trained, you would look after it, right? The biggest trap, I think. He, for us as human beings is everything we're given at birth is completely free of charge. If you had to pay for it, you would take much better care of it. <laughs> I think it's not until you get to a point in your life where you almost lose all of it. Like, you know, my wife now will tell you there isn't, there is absolutely no amount of money. She would, she would give you any amount of money to get her brain function back to the way she had it before. Right. Like to have the memory that she had before and, not appreciate the value that that has until you lose it. And it's, it's a cliche, yes, but I just think the minute you realize that this is, this is, this, we're playing an infinite game and this is the only vehicle you get to play it in, <laughs> right? You know, you can't trade it in and get another one. This is it, right? Like, this is the one you get. Well, then shouldn't you look after it maybe a bit better, you know, look after the, this bit of it and the physical bit of it. And it's like, look, I, I, I want to get fitter. The older I want to get, I want to get, I want to get stronger. I want to get, I, why, well, why can't I do that? There are other people who are doing it. So there's, they know stuff that I don't know that I could learn. Somebody out there has figured out how to be 55 and incredibly fit and healthy. So I can go find them, right? I can go follow them on Instagram. I can learn their stuff. I can see what they're reading, what they're eating. But there's no excuses now for us not, to get older and get get healthier and better and live a life of 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 real contribution i guess right but we have to kind of first of all decide that we own the ship right you know there's that you know simon senek to take it back full circle leadership the last the two words really important in leader and ship i.e it is your own ship you are the captain of your ship period now the sea you operate on is the rest of the world and it's choppy sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you need to pull into Harbor for, for, for rest and recuperation. Definitely. Other times you've got to ride the storm out. Absolutely. That's going to happen. You're going to have storms in your life and you need to ride them out. But he, the, the, the most dangerous thing for a ship is when you start taking on water and water, in my opinion, is, is negativity from other people. And you don't need a lot of negativity or a lot of water on your ship for your ship to get absolutely into all kinds of trouble. And I think that's so true of life. Likewise with the crew, the people you put around you are the crew on the ship. And if you have the right crew around you, they can ride out any storm. They'll go through anything with you. They'll get you through and get you out the other side because they believe in the destination and the, the vision of where you're trying to take the ship. But if you don't have those things, it's just going to be a really, really treacherous, really sickening ride. <laughs> and the irony being there that we need water to survive. Uh, yeah. Isn't that the irony, right? <laughs> Wow. Thank you so much, Paul. It's been a, it is a roller coaster. It really has been. And thank you for sharing some very difficult moments in your life. And I'm sure that people will take away the lessons and, and the, the key moments that you've shared, because this is a relatable story. It is a story that 
has an uplifting ending or, or not even an ending an, an ongoing journey yeah <laughs> I, i'm sorry i just cut your life off there so. yeah, thanks for that <laughs> hang on wait what <laughs> no I, I don't have that control <laughs> so that's okay can i just say, I, I think for me do you know there was there's was something that's kind of driven me a lot in the last eight years in a big way and and I'll share this because it's kind of just a philosophy, right, that I've adopted. And, and I'll share it because maybe if you listen to this, it, this might resonate. But but in my profession, you know, it's a bit like musicians as well, I guess, is that somebody once said, oh, you don't want to be a speaker or you don't want to be somebody on stage. And someone says, oh, I saw I saw Paul on stage last week. And somebody goes, oh, yeah, you should see him two or three years ago. He was great then. And I'm like, no, 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 never going to happen, right? Like, I want somebody to say, oh, I saw Paul on stage last week. I saw him two years ago as well. He's way better now than he was then. I was like, I, I want the next interaction I get to have with anybody, whether it's on a podcast or on a on a stage or in a coaching call or in a boot camp, or it doesn't matter. I want people to go, Paul's better than he was the last time around I saw him because that's that's growth. That's That means I can contribute more to other people. That means I've evolved. I've learned. I've studied. I've worked on myself. That that's my goal is that the next time you bump into me or the next time we have a conversation like this, you go, wow, you've really clearly moved on since I spoke to you last. You've learned, you've learned stuff. You've, you've worked on yourself. You've got better. It's like, that's, that's what I want every interaction to be with people that they look at you and go, yeah, I, I might not have seen you for a year or two, but wow, you're, you're way better. You're, you're so much more together than you were back then. You know, or you're so much more, you know, you, you, wow, you're clearly doing better financially or whatever it is. Like, and I just think if we adopted that mentality of like, listen, the next time I interact with people, I want people to think I want to be better than I was, you know, I don't want people to go, oh yeah, that was when they peaked. <laughs> it was that, it was that record where that was when they peaked. And it's after that, everything they've done is be right. So no, and that requires an unending commitment to keep working on yourself, right? You have to commit to keep working on, on you. And, and that's it for me. That's, you know, if there's one takeaway for that is that the work's never done. It's never done. It's never finished. And, you know, you got to keep showing up. Simple as that. And there are days when you don't want to do it. There are days when you don't want to show up and life's hard and it's tough and everything in your body says, don't show up. Don't do what you need to. Don't call who you need to. Don't post what you need to. There will be days. Absolutely. We all have them. I have them. We all have days. But it's the it's the battle between the part of you that knows what you need to do versus what you want to do. And sometimes you've got to do what you need to do, not what you want to do. And that's the difference between people who, you know, understand what being, what self-leadership is all about uh, before they ever get to lead anybody else. There we go. Mic drop moment. Paul, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. How could people get in contact with you? What's the best way? Um, I mean, I'm, uh, the great news about me is, uh, apart from the fact that people can't always pronounce my surname, they can spell it and it's easy to find. So that's good, right? So I'm, I'm one of the only Avonses out there. There aren't that many. So um, either go to paulavens.com. Uh, you can find links to various programs and things that I do. Follow me on Instagram or uh, uh, at paulavens or um, on LinkedIn. I post content every day on uh, LinkedIn to do with mindset and business and growth and just kind of personal development mixed with this idea of, of, of kind of how do you become more, do, do more, be more, have more, give more. That's that whole kind of mindset of like, how do you, how do you become that person that can make that bigger contribution? So I post stuff like that um, on, uh, on LinkedIn. And then my life is fairly fun and crazy on Instagram where we just show what we're up to and having a good time. So yeah, wherever, wherever you choose to hang out, come, come connect with me. Love to see, you know, see, hopefully serve you, add some value. Love to see what you're up to and, and yeah, let's, let's have a conversation and see if I can help you to level up, team up and scale up. 
Amazing. So be more, do more, give more, have more, give more, think more, breathe more, all of the amours. Definitely. Keep on going. Sleep more. <laughs> Sleep more. Yeah, for sure. Drink more water, that is. So, Paul, how could you close out the episode for me, please? God, we've covered so much, haven't we, really? Well, firstly, thank you for the opportunity. Genuinely, seriously, anytime anybody um, gives me the opportunity to share, I genuinely really, really appreciate it. And it's been a privilege to have that opportunity. So thank you for that. I think for me, you know, I, I've always sort of said that it's easy, it's easy, especially in my industry, for people to um, talk the talk, but walk the walk is a lot, lot harder. To do, what, to do the right thing when no one's looking, that's when you really find out what you're really all about it's like can you do it when no one's looking can you do it when it's dark and there's no one around and it's hard and it's that keep showing up moment but now i've said it for years i'm going to say it again that, that ultimately whether you're an employed person or whether you run your own business or you you know run a massive company it doesn't really matter but you you get paid on what you get done that's it nobody cares about what you're going to talk about you what you're going to do what you post on social media you're going to do they care about results and what you actually do so go out and be somebody whose results shout so loudly that nobody ever has asked whether or not you're going to do it thank you for listening to focus on why with me amy rowlandson to show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today please leave me an apple podcast five-star review remember the conversation doesn't end here to keep it going connect with me on linkedin instagram facebook or twitter or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.